1: Judge Janine Piro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Janine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now here's Judge Janine Pirro.
2: Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It is a very sunny, bright day here in New York City, but it is cold, and uh, it reminds us all that winter is just around the corner. And as always, we're armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Look, there's so much that happened this week in America Uh, The war in the Middle East continues to rage on with calls for a ceasefire by uh, students from Palestine, uh, as well as uh, protests around the world against Israel, uh, while Israel engages in a legitimate uh, response. Uh, pursuant to the laws of war to the Hamas attacks on, uh, both Israelis and Americans on October 7th. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we've got students in America who are Jewish students who are being threatened, uh, with physical violence. They're intimidated. They're afraid to go to school on campus. Uh, in many of the, shall I say, elite universities. And it's kind of ironic that it seems to be the, the, the big ones, Harvard, Cornell, Columbia, NYU, Stanford, the University of Pennsylvania, UC Berkeley, these so-called sophisticated places that are making Jewish students feel not only uncomfortable but unsafe. We're going to have an attorney on this morning who's going to be talking about the lawsuit, the civil rights lawsuit that he is bringing against NYU and several other universities on behalf of the Jewish students, uh, as I said, some of whom are afraid to go to class. We'll also be talking to General Keith Kellogg. Uh, on the military uh, aspect of all this, we've got something like 60, 61 American troops who have been injured, with many of them suffering TBI, traumatic brain injury, which can last a lifetime. Uh, and the United States' tepid response to uh, these attacks on our soldiers, where, you know, we basically blow up uh, a building uh, that supposedly has equipment. Uh, and America is continuing to call on uh, 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 President uh, uh, Netanyahu to have a ceasefire. And finally, a fascinating uh, guest, Mitch Album, who's just written a book. You know him. He wrote Tuesdays with Maury and the five people you meet in heaven. Uh, his new book is A Little Liar. It's about an 11-year-old who never told a lie. But when the Nazis invade his home, the trustworthy boy is discovered, by a German officer who offers him a chance to save his family. All he has to do is persuade his family and Jewish neighbors that if they get on these trains, they'll be safe. And the little boy at some point realizes that he's sending them to their death. The book, The Little Liar, Mitch Album is prescient. I mean, it talk about uh, being relevant to today and what's going on. Uh, it is, uh, a a very, very good book by a man who sold over 40 million books, folks. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of upset going on in our country today. Uh, and we're getting right to the core of it today. Uh, on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. And, of course, never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at t2t.org. That's T, the number two, to t.org. And up next here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will first be speaking with uh, Mark Kasowitz, who is the attorney who is bringing the civil rights lawsuit against New York University on behalf of those Jewish students alleging egregious civil rights violations for its anti-Semitic hostile educational environment. Stay with us.
1: This is The Judge Janine Show. this is the janine piero show now here's judge janine piero
2: welcome back to the judge janine tunnel to towers foundation show joining me an experienced attorney described as quote the toughest lawyer on wall street Please join me in welcoming Mark Kasowitz to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, folks, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about his background, but uh, this guy is uh, the real deal. He's represented major companies uh, and has gotten incredible verdicts. Uh, he's also double Ivy uh, from Yale and Cornell, and uh, he uh, obtained a $300 million lawsuit on behalf of 3,500 Alabama residents who were, Poisoned by C. Page from Monsanto. Uh, He is a fighter, and he is the guy that you want in the trenches with you. And when I heard that Mark Kasowitz was representing the students, the Jewish students, uh, alleging egregious civil rights violations for the way they are being treated on New uh, again on New York University campus, uh, I called him up immediately. I said, "We got to get him on the show." So, uh, Mark Casowitz, good morning, and thanks so much for being with us.
3: Uh, good morning, uh, Your Honor. It's a it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a privilege to be on your show.
2: <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's get right to it. What is happening to students on universities? Jewish students? Is anti semitism? Uh, per se, uh, as the lawyers would say, and it is not only real, but it is shocking that it is 2023 and we've got Jewish students who were, whether it's Cooper Union, running into a library thing or being cursed at Jewish students, afraid to wear the Star of David. I mean, talk to us about this uh, lawsuit and how you got involved.
3: Sure, um, uh, uh, Judge. uh Look, it is shocking Um, on major campuses of what are supposed to be elite universities in this country. The administrations of those universities are permitting and tolerating really virulent anti-Semitism against their Jewish students. I mean, NYU is the first university that we've sued. But NYU's track record of dealing with anti-Semitism on its campus is nothing short, as we allege in our complaint, is nothing short of abysmal. Really? So
2: this is not the first time?
3: It's not the first time, I'm afraid. I mean, look, let's let's. Let me give you a little let me give you a little history here, um, Judge, uh, so you can understand and so your listeners can understand really how bad this is. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't just start with October 7th. October 7th uh, is a kind of match which really lit kerosene to the to the fire. But the fire has been burning at NYU. I mean, There have been, and and our complaint details this, there have been a litany of anti-Semitic events at NYU now going back for years, and the um, Students for Justice in Palestine, this really hateful group, SJP, has been behind a lot of these incidents back in 2014, uh, it uh, they 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 organized a campaign to put eviction notices under the doors of student rooms at one of the dorms at NYU, and this was a dorm where there was a large percentage of Orthodox students, and the Orthodox students. Uh, you could you know that there were orthodox students there because the elevators were self-operating, so that on the Shabbos yeah. the right. students wouldn't have to press a button. Exactly, and and so SJP. I mean, this is this is just the beginning of it. They 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 put out all these eviction notices. The students were you know thought that they were being evicted. Uh, mm-hmm. Complaints were made uh, to the university, and the. Um, the 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 head of the residents life and housing office was asked to look into it. Said that they would follow up, but they 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 took absolutely no action uh, against SJP at that time, uh, and they said this was uh, sort of a prank that had gone wrong. By contrast, when there was a similar uh, incident at Northeastern University. Uh, the people responsible at the SJP group there were immediately suspended. Well, let this me ask you this, what,
2: Mark Cassowitz. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a yeah. history. It can only help your lawsuit. But, uh, you know, why is it we're talking Harvard, Cornell, Columbia, NYU, MIT, Stanford, University of Pennsylvania, UC, these are all the elite schools. Why is there such pervasive anti-Semitism? I'm not even getting to the point of the administration pretty much bowing to the uh, 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 the students for justice in Palestine. But But why in these schools? Well, I I don't I don't have the
3: uh, you know, I wish I had the answer for that uh, judge. Uh, I don't have the precise answer Mm -hmm. as to why anti-Semitism has been so virulent at these schools. Um, But but I can point to two things. Uh, One in the you know, in the culture that we live in in this day and age in this country uh, where there has been um, uh, so much. Uh, attention and support given for this idea that the world is divided into oppressors yes, yes. and oppressed yes it, it seems as if um, a large portion of our university uh campuses and the young people on them have taken the view that uh the palestinians in israel are the oppressed and the israelis are the oppressors and they've latched onto that to then direct all kinds of anti-semitic nasty stuff swastikas chanting uh, hitler was right um the, the holocaust was right and 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 so that's i think part of it but the other part of it is uh a judge that the universities are not just tolerating it. They seem to be supporting it exactly. in some fundamental ways. Let me give you an example. And again, before October 7th, in 2019, NYU awarded the Students for Justice in Palestine its President's Service Award. And let me read you what the President's Service Award at NYU is given for. It's given to praise quote giving time energy and talents that had positively impacted the culture of this institution and members of our community close quote this is given to SJP SJP is the group on NYU's campus and a lot of other campuses that are calling for the the annihilation of the Jewish state and the annihilation of Jews. And they were given by the by the then president of NYU, the President's Service Award. By contrast, at or about the same time, other colleges like Fordham, Brandeis, uh, Florida State University, and Lafayette College have refused to recognize SJP on their campus and have banned it, have been, and have banned it from the campus. Yeah. And here we have... The president, the then president of NYU, giving it their highest award. It's, well, th- this your is Honor, incredible. It's, it's, un, it's unfathomable. It's well,
2: unfathomable. but let's talk about let's talk about your your lawsuit. You are bringing a federal civil rights lawsuit in the Southern District of New York. And what is your lawsuit allege?
3: Sure. Well, the lawsuit is brought against NYU for violating the rights. Of Jewish students uh, under Title VI of the United States Code. And what Title VI guarantees is that all students should be treated equally, fairly, not discriminated against, not harassed, not intimidated because of their e- ethnicity uh, or uh, a background or origin. And here, uh, the reason that we brought uh, this action. Is because our three clients uh, are presently, and there are more joining virtually every day, but right. our three clients have been uh, discriminated against, intimidated, harassed uh, uh, over a period of time, and especially since uh, October 7th.
2: Well, and they are afraid for their physical safety.
3: Well, look, I, I, I it's absolutely true that our three clients and many, many other Jews on campus have been put in fear of their physical safety. Uh, And and they've been put in fear of the physical safety because there have been, there have been these, these powerful outbreaks of anti-Semitism and raucous, uh, raucous rallies and, and demonstrations and, Posters of uh, abducted people in Israel uh, being torn
2: down. Yes. And what is the mentality speech. behind that, uh, Mark Cass? what? Well, why would they tear down a poster? What what is their purpose in doing that? How do they benefit?
3: I think the way that the um, anti-Semitic students and faculty, and there have been faculty that have been caught doing this as well at NYU, and I think the benefit that they perceive they get from this is the intimidation of Jewish students on campus and, and 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 the striking thing about this judge is that the university has not been holding any of the people who've engaged in this hate speech or engaged in the tearing down of posters or engaged in the you know in the in in, in the shouting that hitler was right uh, just to remind your viewers i mean your your listeners yeah hitler was responsible for the murder of 6 million jews and for people students on a campus in the year 2023 to be proclaiming to jewish students that hitler was right i
2: mean that's a pretty
3: intimidating Uh, Action, don't you think, Your
2: Honor? I mean, it's horrible. Anyway, Mark Kasowitz's lawsuit against NYU uh, and several other universities for the anti-Semitism and the treatment of Jewish students. We wish you uh, a great deal of luck, but uh, you don't need luck. You just need uh, the experience and you need the facts and the law. And I think you've got all three. Mark Kasowitz, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
3: Judge, what a pleasure! Thank you I very much care. for having me.
2: All right, yep. and up next here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation, I will be speaking with General Keith Kellogg and as well as author Mitch Album. Uh, it's all coming up here on the Red Apple Audio Network.
1: This is the Janine Piero Show. Now here's Judge Janine Bureau.
2: Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a retired Lieutenant General in the United States Army and former National Security Advisor. Please join me in welcoming uh, General Keith Kellogg to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Uh, we've had the General on before. He's the real deal, folks. Um, he was a National Security Advisor. Um, he served in the Airborne Division. Uh, and then uh, climbed his way up to general. So uh, that's enough of that. OK, so uh, General Kellogg. Good morning. How are you this morning? Judge, I'm
4: doing great. Thanks for having me on. Really, (laughs) really good to be with you.
2: Well, it's great to have someone on uh, who knows of what he speaks. So I want to I want to first talk about the number of hits that have occurred by uh, the Iran proxies against our military bases and have injured, as I understand it, uh, a significant number of American soldiers, many of them with what's called TBI or traumatic brain injury. They say it's between 60, 61. Do you have any idea how many of our soldiers have been injured by these proxies
4: you know judge the the numbers we keep getting change all around that's in uh, and that's the frustration I'm getting not only the attacks but the number of injured as well because it's how they rate them the biggest concern I've got one on these attacks is the majority of those attacks have gone to al-assad air base which is in Iraq and from by Iranian proxy forces and that's the most manned up area we've got and so the probability of so an American getting killed is there at al-Assad. And then my concern is what kind of response is going to happen from the Biden administration. Having an F-15 or an F-16 strike basically unmanned or un uh, you know populated areas is really, really foolish. It's They're just asking for a greater problem coming up. And I think when it's, it's going to happen, I think an American's going to get killed, and then they're going to have to decide what they're going to do. But it's it, they're just—they're playing with fire right now. They really are.
2: Well, you know, General, there's no question. I mean, I, I can remember a president, a chief, I think his name was Trump, who said, uh, "You know, you hurt, uh, you you injure one a hair on the head of an American, and you're going to hear from us." Uh, But right now, let's assume that the number is 60, okay? So 60 separate uh, 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 military or soldiers have been injured by these Iranian proxies, and we hit basically a barn, okay? Uh, Whereas what President Trump did was he did a strategic strike uh, on the chemical weapons. Uh, facility, I believe it was in Syria when they started using chemical weapons against kids. And that was the end of it. But if anything, we are inviting more attacks because they realize they can hit us and we won't respond. At some point, the response has to be clear from the United States. What do you think? I mean, why do you think they're being so tepid in their protection of American soldiers that many people say shouldn't even be in the Middle East?
4: Well, I think that's because President Biden has a a DNA of risk avoidance. He doesn't want to escalate. We always believed in the Trump administration. You have to super escalate. You have to do something that really gets your attention. You have to punch him in the nose. You know, in the 2020 State of the Union address, President Trump on the floor of the the House of Representatives said very clearly, you attack an American, your life is forfeit. He made it pretty clear. We did that with Soleimani. We did with Baghdadi. We did with the Syrian chemical strikes by Assad. It was very clear you have to overreact to this, and he's not doing it. And because of that it emboldens your adversary, they say, "Well, you're not going to do anything." They they take judge they take a reading and a measure of the man, and they say this man is not going to do anything really strong. He's going to try to avoid it as long as he can. That is a huge problem. It's a huge problem for the administration, and it really re, and it reflects poorly on the the ability of the United States to react.
2: Well, you know, the United States from the inception has said, slow down, slow down, slow down. And it, it it's almost given, you know, the the world and, and I by the world, I don't mean most of the world, but th- this whatever whatever organization is behind this uh, anti-Israeli, these uh, marches and protests and riots. It just gives them more time for them to coordinate and try to make a statement to the world as if Israel has done something. Something wrong. I mean, uh, and to be honest with you, Netanyahu is in a bit of a bind right now because now they're talking. Uh, I mean, they've been talking about ceasefire for the longest time, the Americans, Blinken and, and Biden. But now it appears that there is a, a real concerted effort for a ceasefire to get a large number of hostages out. Have you heard about this?
4: Yeah, Judge, and it's really wrong. Look, we're pressuring Netanyahu to basically go to a ceasefire or a pause. Here's the mistake you run into, Judge. When you're on the offense and you have the initiative in a military operation, which clearly Israelis do, by isolating Gaza Gaza City itself and going after Hamas, you should let them do it because what will happen is when you go into a pause or a ceasefire, then they they are allowed to reconstruct what they have done in the past, and they're only talking, "quote, fifty hostages." Well, there's more Americans hostage than fifty right now. We believe we really don't know, and they've really? also said they're not going to release any soldiers of that of the Israelis uh, that they have picked up from the Israeli side as well. This is foolish. My concern with President Biden, he should just stand back and let Netanyahu do his job. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It, by the way, it's hard enough as it is going into a city, but let him continue to, to attack. And and basically eradicate Hamas. I thought what happened recently when the Israelis made a comment, I believe it was yesterday, when they say that if you are part of Hamas, you are not safe anywhere. That's the right message to send out. What he's basically saying, those of you that are leading Hamas in hiding or in Qatar or places like that, your life is forfeit. That's exactly the message that needs to be sent to Hamas. But we're not doing it.
2: We're not doing it. We know where the heads of Hamas that are worth over $3 billion each, where they're hanging out in in Qatar and where they have uh, incredible uh, holdings, and we're not doing anything about it. But, you know, let's forget about all that and the Biden administration and they're trying to pull back Netanyahu. It appears that Netanyahu in Israel reports are uh, that Israel is now giving Netanyahu a uh, a hard time time because uh they're marching in the streets they want the hostages released so i mean this is it's kind of tough for netanyahu at this point
4: yeah you know judge it is but you know this is one of those and this is hard to say and it's hard to accept but it's it's reality you basically have to forget about the hostages in the sense you have to complete the military operation it's hard enough to do and i know that sounds really cruel it sounds really hard but, the, but you have to look at the long term, and the long term is the eradication of Hamas. A lot of those hostages are dead, or they're gone, or you'll never see them again. For example, the Israeli soldiers, to include a general officer they captured, you have to write them off. And 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 it's a and I know it's a hard thing to say. It's tough to accept, but it's a fact of reality of war, and you've got to let Netanyahu finish the job. You, they've got to eradicate Hamas, and then they've well, got to figure out. What comes next in Gaza? Well, I, you know, Chuck, and I get it. It is hard to say.
2: I understand it. I understand the military perspective. <laughs> so why did they release? Why did they end up releasing a couple of the hostages? And they said that they were treated well and they I mean, they're still alive. And yet they were brutal. They were barbaric. They were medieval and how they killed the Israelis. I mean, you know, I, I'm not there. They've got us between you know from right to left here not not understanding how they're treating the hostages
4: yeah and you see it goes back to what was called the stockholm syndrome years and years ago yeah. hostages were actually taken inside a bank in stockholm sweden and they actually started to align themselves with the with the people who were holding them hostage you're seeing the same thing now and and, and they're releasing them in just a two or three at a time and you just can't accept that you have to say no Release them all, and and they're not, unfortunately Hamas is not going to do it because a lot of them are dead. So that, that's what I'm talking about. You have to kind of put blinders on, and it's and again I say it I said it for the third time. It's it's so hard to accept, but you have to do that. That's the only way you're going to finish these guys off. And the, uh, Hamas is dedicated to the basically the eradication of the Jews in Israel and Israel itself as
2: a state question question do you think the generals are telling this to biden and he just won't buy it i mean is this like military accepted military uh uh you know dictum
4: you know judge i because i hate to say this because i know some of them i don't think they're the strongest advisors they may tell it to biden but in the back of their mind i'm just not sure too sure that all of them have the intestinal fortitude to pull it off and I think you surround yourself with advisors that think a lot like you do as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he has done. So maybe there are some advisors out there, but I think some of them are just basically, you know, oh, let's pull back and rub our hands in a negative manner. No, you need to have very forceful individuals in there and say, press the attack, keep going forward. Netanyahu thinks like that. Remember, he lost his brother, who was, oh, who was a very special forces, a special forces commander during the Entebbe raid. He understands the difficulty of this. And we just should let them do the job,
2: General Kellogg. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your uh, your intellect and the force with which you deliver your message. You have a good day, General.
1: This is the Judge Janine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro.
2: Joining me this morning is author, journalist, and a musician, uh, which is kind of an interesting background. But when I tell you something even more interesting, uh, you may know who he is. He's an author who has sold more than 40 million books worldwide. And if you don't have one of his books called uh, Two books with Maury, make sure that you put it on your bucket list because I think everybody needs to read that book to get a sense of kind of what it's all about. And, of course, I am talking about no one other than Mitch Albom, uh, who we are certainly honored to have join us today. Mitch, how are you this morning?
5: I'm fine, Judge Jeanine. How are you doing?
2: I am very well, thank you, and we're delighted to have you on. You know, uh, your latest book, The Little Liar, is a very interesting book and couldn't be more timely given the unfortunate uh, events that are occurring nation uh, worldwide and what's going on in the Middle East. In The Little yeah. Liar, it is a story of an 11-year-old uh, who never told a lie, but when the Nazis uh, apparently invaded his home in Greece, the trustworthy boy is discovered by a German officer who offers him a chance to save his family. All he has to do is convince his fellow Jewish residents to board trains heading to new homes where they are promised jobs and safety. Talk about it, Mitch. What? What? what where did you get this? Where did this come from?
5: Well, it's inspired by an actual series of events. That is what the Nazis did, uh, not just in Greece, but in other places, uh, to get the Jewish people and other people that they persecuted, Christians as well, to get onto these trains that were actually headed to the death camps they would use their own people to lie to them. They would trick them. Then I thought this was just yes. a terrible perversion of, of the truth. And so I used an 11-year-old boy who'd never lied before and doesn't think that he's lying then because he's just trustworthy. And they say, all you got to do is just tell the people there's going to good jobs and, 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 and good new homes, and then we'll let you go back to your family. So he does this day after day, thinking he's doing the right thing until the last day when he sees his own family being shoved onto the train and you know somebody yells out they're taking us to die and suddenly he realizes that that he's been tricked and he's been telling people that he loves and cares about in his neighborhood that it's going to be safe and they don't let him go so he's separated from his family and it shows from that point for the next 40 years the effect of that one lie that had on him had on his family had on the nazi officer who tricked them and whatever um, you know, to so sort of be a parable about the value of truth and the dangers of lying.
2: Yes. And unfortunately he had been taught not to tell a lie. And at 11 years old is incapable of discerning, you know, the, the vicious intent of some individuals. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I have not, I have the book in front of me. I've not finished it, but he's got to live with this incredible guilt. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people live with guilt. And I wonder, Certainly not to the level that we're talking about in your book, The Little Liar, uh, Mitch Album. But you know, with throughout their lives, and it, it it interferes with their ability to live a normal life or a happy life. And yeah. uh, is there is there a is there a happy ending here?
5: There is, and you know, if anybody knows my books like Tuesdays with Morrie or Five People You Meet in Heaven or other things like that, they know that I'm a hopeful person, and I I write to try to inspire and hope. And I, I thought well. How can you have hope in against the most hopeless of situations? And that's kind of what the book deals with and how we want to be forgiven for the worst thing that we did. I sort of ask readers to say, well, what's the worst lie you ever told and what would you do to be forgiven that lie? And the little boy's name is Nico. You know, he spends his whole life trying to make up for what he thought he did. And meanwhile, a couple members of his family and a little girl who, who always loved him, even when he was 11, spend their lives trying to find him to forgive him. Uh, he changes his name. He changes his identity. He, he moves around countries. He actually becomes a pathological liar. He goes from being the most honest person in the world to a guy who can't tell the truth anymore because it makes him feel so guilty. And he becomes, not surprisingly, a brazen liar often do. He becomes incredibly successful and makes a lot of money. And becomes like a reclusive millionaire hiding, you know, out in, in a corner of America. And it's only when his, this, his brother and this girl finally find him, you know, that you find out if he's going to be forgiven or, you know, he has to sort of confront what impact. he's done. You
2: know, but but it is so timely right now, Mitch Album, given the fact that uh, we've got so much turmoil in the Middle East that the Israelis were attacked uh, by Hamas. And now, of course, and we talked about it through the show earlier about, you know, the military aspect and and then the impact on on Jewish students in the United States. I mean— It almost is a repeat of the Holocaust. I mean, it is a frightening time for Jews to live.
5: It is. And, uh, you know, and sadly, this is something that happens every few decades or centuries. It seems that anti-Semitism just rises up and and becomes a thing that Jewish people have to deal with and the lies that come with it. Uh, You know, Hitler's people, Joseph Goebbels said a lie told once is easily Seen as a lie, a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth, and the Nazis relied on that, and so do all terror groups. Rely on telling you something over and over and over again until you believe that it's the truth, and you know we have to be very careful about that in our society, and we have to work very hard to try to find out what really is the truth because with social well, media, with uh, you know AI, with all that, it's very difficult to know what you're being.
2: Well, but the the impact, Mitch, album of. You know, people tearing down posters of of the hostages taken by Hamas. I mean, it's almost as though there is this movement in America that denies. And to be honest with you, Mitch, it is anti-Semitic. People who, uh, you know, we didn't imagine. We understand Hamas is anti-Semitic. We understand in the Middle East. But America is supposed to be the place where all of us are open and free you know, to to people from all over the world as evidenced by our southern border. Uh, But at the same time, Americans are so willing now to see Israel as the oppressor and, uh, you know, as the state that needs to be eliminated. And it's kind of stunning to me uh, that, that that this is happening so easily and so quickly on TikTok and on social media. I mean, how did Americans get to the point where Israel was our one true ally, democracy in the Middle East, to now the anti-Israel sentiment in this country and in universities, and not only in universities, seems pervasive?
5: Yeah, well, I think we need to remember that it isn't everywhere. Uh, it's in places where it gets a lot of attention. Uh, it is in universities where protests are very common. You know, most people who live in the neighborhood, uh, you know, with houses next to them, they go to jobs in the morning. They don't get up and go to protest. They're busy <laughs> going to work, you know. But college yeah. campuses have always been places where protests, you know, hey, let's come on out and you know protest. And then, uh, sadly, a lot of these people are misled. Uh, they don't even know what they're,
2: they're protesting, Mitch.
5: So, well, I'll, I'll tell you, if, if, they're, if they're thinking about it, here's the people we want to support, Hamas. Let me give you an interesting story. I wrote a book called The Little Liar based on a a, a kid's honesty being used against him by evil forces, because I thought, well, this is an original idea. You know, I've not heard this before. I've not read it before. And that's what you look for when you write a book. And then I talked Mm -hmm. to a correspondent who just came back from Israel who read my book, and he said, oh, my God, did you you hear the story about this Israeli kid named Tumor? It's so much like your book. I said, no, what? And he tells me a story about this kid, a young teenager, who when the Hamas terrorists came over the border, they kidnapped him, pulled him away. And under the threat of killing his family, they said, you you go door to door to all the houses in your village and knock on the door and tell them it's okay to come out. It's safe. They're gone. And because they knew his voice and because he wanted to save his family, he does this. And of course, the doors open, the people come out and they get shot. And then when they're done with their little liar, they shoot him. Now, I thought that I was creating a story, fictional story, that people would be shocked by. And Mm -hmm. here in real life, the actual thing happened, and people are somehow still supporting Hamas in some way, saying this is justified. So, you know, I I don't know any more poignant example than that.
2: Well Mitch, you know, the truth is you've always been prescient and uh you've always been someone, you know, who speaks especially about you know Tuesdays with Maury and the five people you meet in heaven. Uh, it is you just have this incredible it's not it's not a knack, it's not a writing skill. It's the ability to get inside of all of us and I have to tell all my listeners this morning that I I Mitch album is absolutely one of my favorite Favorite people, because what he writes is so, it just pierces you. It pierces you. It is very, it, it reveals the human, uh, the, the psyche, the emotion. And I got to tell you, Mitch Album, you have not disappointed. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us this morning on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Everyone, you've got to get the book, The Little Liar. Mitch Album, uh, at his finest, he's at 40 million books worldwide. Uh, he'll be at uh, 50 million in no time. Mitch Album we love you and we thank you for the work that you've done. God bless you.
5: God bless you too judge Janine thank you so much for such kind words.
2: Oh they're deserved truly. All right, everybody. I can't believe we're out of time already. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I did. Some fascinating guests this morning. Make sure you join us right back here next week. Same time, same place, same me for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Everybody stay safe and have a great day. God bless you. Take care.